Welcome to the James Exchange, Monday Matters, August 30th, 2021. I am your host, Nancy Gill. In today's episode, Donna Price and I talked about broadband. The episode was recorded on Thursday, August 26th for publication today. And I will tell you, Donna really showed her skills as a career-long attorney. She was prepared for this conversation. So I did a little research on internet offerings in our region. There are two basic business models, residential and commercial. For instance, CenturyLink slash Lumen has fiber optic capabilities in the town of Scottsville. This is only available to our business community. The residents rely on DSL. The issue here is why, if it's here, it's not being used to its optimal capability. As a note of interest, in the mid-1980s, Williams Communications Company laid fiber optic cable alongside their natural gas pipelines. One of their lines, the Transcontinental, or Transco, is about 10,000 miles long and goes from Texas to New York City. This line passes about five miles to the south of Scottsville. I could do a podcast on the Williams Company and fiber, but to untangle the history from the 1980s to present day is a time-consuming task. My point is fiber optic broadband isn't new and it is all around us. On another note, several county residents have reached out to Donna asking why or if Albemarle can sue CenturyLink. The short answer is no, because only those who contract with the company are in a position for bringing litigation. She has also reached out to county staff to start thinking long-term on potential solutions. RISE, R-I-S-E, is hopefully the beginning of this. After listening to this episode, you will know what RISE is. I hope you enjoy the show with Donna and mark your calendars for September. I hope you enjoy this sh- I hope you enjoy the show with Donna and mark your calendars for September 20th for the Albemarle Broadband Authorities ABBA ABBA nothing musical here folks they are presenting to the town of Scottsville starting at 7 o'clock I'll be back on Friday Welcome, Donna Price, to the dining room table. This is, we're actually recording this on a very warm Thursday afternoon, and you'll be hearing it Monday morning or after Monday morning. So Donna and I are going to talk about broadband. And if you don't know Donna, she is the Scottsville District Supervisor here in Albemarle County. And thank you, Donna, for coming by on this day. Nancy, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me, and I really look forward to this conversation. I want to start off at the very beginning to remind people that on Monday, September 20th, at the Scottsville Town Council regular meeting, there will be a presentation and discussion about broadband in Southern Albemarle. I will be there, along with Michael Culp, the director of Albemarle County's new broadband office, and I've been informed that there will be two representatives from CenturyLink. So I'm really looking forward to this opportunity. 
I am going to say with that last bit of information, it might be a full house. <laughs> and, and we want to be very careful and respectful of the time that the town council is providing to us. So we will do a presentation, but then after that, Mike and I will step out and we will be available to meet with any local community members to get any specific information from them about the problems that they have been experiencing. And I have asked the CenturyLink representatives to join us so that we can try and get some direct resolution to their problems. What we want to talk about today is, is probably the roadblock to internet access. Yep. And that is the lack of... It's not a regulated utility. And there are two things that I want to bring up with regard to that. Unlike electricity or water, um, broadband is not yet considered to be a regulated utility. And because it's not a regulated utility, we in the county have the opportunity to contract with providers to bring the network, the infrastructure, but we do not regulate broadband providers. Now, there are two really important aspects of this, I think. The first one is that we need, on the national level, something comparable to the 1936 Rural Electrification Act, <clears throat> excuse me, which is what brought electricity to homes in rural areas. And honestly, prior to that, people were living unchanged from colonial or Civil War era. No electricity, no refrigeration, no, no running water, none of those things. So we need something comparable for broadband because broadband is in this century what electricity was 100 years ago. Do we need to talk with our Senator, Senator Warner, Warner Senator Kane, but also I think through our House of Delegates and our state senators and the governor's office because there are a lot of ways that you can bring political pressure even if you don't have political control. And you may have seen in the news this week, Senator Warner was out here at the post office, uh, the main post office on 29, talking about the Postal Service delivery failures. And again, that's outside the regulatory authority of the county, but it does impact our county residents, our community members. So we have con uh, communicated with the state level. We've communicated at the federal level with our senators. They're the ones who actually can take action on that. So it's somewhat similar right now on broadband. And I'm going to come back to some really important things that are happening in broadband at the state and local level. The second thing I wanted to mention, though, is that we are what's called a Dillon rule state. And the Dillon Rule comes from a Supreme Court case that years ago, uh, it was a state Supreme Court, but other states have adopted it, that said that local governments are only permitted to do what they are specifically authorized by the state government. And it's kind of as, as an interesting aside, Nancy, during my time in the Navy, there were two basic schools of thought. One is everything is permitted except that which is specifically prohibited. And the other is everything is prohibited except that which is specifically permitted. And a Dillon rule state is the latter. We are not allowed to do, we being the county government, we are not allowed to do anything other than what has specifically been granted to us by the state legislature. Not by inference, not by implication. It must specifically be granted. And we have not been granted authority to regulate any broadband providers. Nor has the town of Scottsville. 
Oh, but that does bring up an interesting thing, and that is that cities, towns, and counties operate differently under state law. Cities are generally given substantially more authority by the state government than our counties. And so it's another area where very often there's confusion by our local community members. They'll say, well, they're doing this in Charlottesville. Why aren't you doing it in Albemarle County? And that's because the city of Charlottesville was granted certain authority that the county of Albemarle has not been granted. And the towns fall under the counties, and so it's much closer towns and counties than there are cities and counties. And for example, certain taxing authority has been granted to cities by the Virginia legislature and the state government, but that had not previously been granted to counties. Now, there are a few exceptions where Arlington or Fairfax, um, because they are clearly much more city than county type of a setup or, or you know, their, their general um, demographic. Um, and it's only recently that some additional authority has been granted to the counties, and so we're, we're very excited about those additional authorities that we have. Yeah, and what really surprised me, because coming from the Northeast, we had town, 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 they made county, 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 they made states. Mm-hmm. And down here, you, have, you may have a town, you may not. You may have a city, but the county doesn't have a city because it's independent. Right. And so Charlottesville is in the middle of Albemarle County, and it's sort of an island in and of itself. Yep. And I think we should all, well, the town, because we do rely on the county for a lot of our services, but a county should rake higher than a town or a city, in my opinion. Well, you would think it would be that way. And the town-county relationship is one of a a symbiotic-type relationship. Whereas the county and the city are totally separate. Yeah. I mean, we just, you can't compare the two at all. And of course, we could go way off on other tangents about, you know, the annexation aspects that Charlottesville did to Albemarle County and all of those things. But that would be for another day. We'll stick with broadband. Yeah, that's another day because I, I, would, I would love to see the northern boundary of Scottsville go further. Um, that's... Um, those of you who listen to my podcast, yes, Jeff is in the room and playing with something. So it's part of the show. Yep. So there's actually a pretty exciting collaboration coming up. Oh, yes. It really is, Nancy. And I, I actually was quite impressed with the expanse of it. Yeah. So it's called RISE, Regional Internet Service Expansion. And would you like to expand I would love to, Nancy. But first, what I'd like to do is a little bit of history. So in 2017, the Board of Supervisors established the Albemarle Broadband Authority, whose goal is to extend affordable broadband internet service to every customer in Albemarle County. That was 2017, four years ago. We've set the direction for ABBA, and ABBA has been extremely successful. Five years in a row, 2017, 18, 19, 20, and 21, we, Albemarle County, was successful in being awarded a body, a Virginia Technology Initiative Grant. I am not aware of any other um, local government that has come anywhere near the success we've got. And the amounts generally have increased every year, from $120,000 in 2017 up to $2 million and a quarter in 2021. And overall, um, about 1,500 local 
addresses have benefited from having what's called a pass of internet coming by their property. And it's important to understand that when we bring internet through these programs, we're bringing it to the property. It's then up to the property owner to make the decision whether to sign up and have that connection go from the, the, the cable um, out at the street, so to speak, up to their residence. And, and there are some complications there. Right now, basically, if the, the distance from the box to your house is under 600 feet, then it's provided, uh, the connection is provided at no additional cost. If it's over 600 feet, however, the way it is right now, the property owner has to pay the entire cost. First off, I believe it should be prorated. If we're going to have a, a covered distance, if you go beyond that, then you really ought to only have to pay the additional amount. We're working on that. Well, hence the need for oversight. Yes, yes. To have it regulated. Right, and yeah, and it, it really needs to be a regulated industry. Um, but, you know, there there are choices that we make that end up having some perhaps unintended or unexpected consequences. I live over a mile in the woods off the main road. So if they bring that fiber to the main road, um, that's well over 600 feet. And, and it would be a substantial expense for me to have to connect. Um, but it was a choice I made to live a mile in the woods. And so, you know, there can be costs. But, but back to the main point, with this new RISE program, which is a collaboration between or among Albemarle County with TJPDC, the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, being kind of the administrator of it, along with Firefly, Dominion, Rappahannock, Electric. We are looking, um, to, it's a $47.5 million project. It is part of a body um, application. The county has just dedicated $4.5 million to help reduce the cost to the provider, to increase the likelihood that we will again be successful in our uh, body application. And if that is awarded, then we are looking to, by 2025, have internet capability at every address in Albemarle County, asterisk. There are a few that are going to be outside of it. But it falls under such a small percentage that I feel comfortable in saying that internet can be provided to everyone. Now, in addition to this, there are other options that people have. Uh, I, for example, just a few months ago dropped the, the landline internet service to my residence and signed on with a company program called Beam, B-E-A-M, like you beam the internet to your house. I'm not here to advertise for Beam. I'm not here to criticize um, specifically any other corporation, but I point that out. It, it's a wireless type of internet service, and but it does have distance limitations. Um, Beam basically says that they can provide, if you have a uninterrupted, you know, sort of line of sight between your residence and one of their towers, they can comfortably go five miles. I'm five and a half miles, and they sometimes can get as far as seven miles, but clearly not every property is going to be um, amenable to that particular type of service. So folks can go on the internet mm -hmm. and see and look up if, Beam. Look up Beam and, right. and just to see if they're eligible, if right. their address is there. Right, and, th and they were very quick to send someone out. They got their equipment, they stand in your yard, they shoot a beam towards their tower, and 
and it and it comes through. There another there's another complication that Albemarle County has in a different in addition to our terrain and distances, and that is that unlike some of our surrounding counties, which have one electric, one broadband provider, we have four. And I don't necessarily believe that there was a logic to the way that their different areas of coverage were established. It's more of what I would call kind of a uh, unscripted quilt patchwork. And so you find yourself in a situation where you may be, your property is under the authority of one provider, your next door neighbor or across the street, they're under a different provider. And so that adds even more complexity. Then historically, or I guess I'd just say at least over the last number of years, of course, for the providers, because they're not a regulated industry, what they're looking to do is maximize their return on their investment. So of course, they look to bring the service first to the people that cost them the least. Mm -hmm. And that ends up leaving some gaps out there. And we're working to try and change that to ensure that we do get all of the the properties. And that's where this RISE program is really going to be beneficial. And RISE covers not just Albemarle County. It basically covers almost all of the counties um, around us, at least all of those to the north, east, and south. Um, So we have a lot of different counties that are all a part of this, and it's going to really be a great benefit for everyone. But unfortunately, when it comes to, you know, constructing a new network, it's not going to be today or tomorrow or next week or for some people even next year. It will take until 2025 before this program, if it's approved, if we get the funding, um, can be completed. So I look at the map and I see, you know, Charlottesville, I think Albemarle is fairly well covered. But you look at Buckingham and... um, Rise is going to make an impact there, as will um, Firefly. Yeah, you know, Nancy, you're right. And um, as challenging as it has been in Albemarle County, um, we are substantially better off than most of our surrounding counties. You know, it's interesting, the Scottsville Magisterial District, the population of that district of Albemarle County is almost as big as the entire population of Nelson County. Um, Nelson has a few advantages in a way in the sense that most of their um, people are located on a smaller number of streets. Most of them are major streets, 29, for example, Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, Whereas we have a substantially larger population and we are substantially more um, geographically dispersed. Um, But um, but yeah, this this rise program, if we get this approved, um, it's in by 2025 we're really going to see a difference here. Well, so I, I want to break down because you mentioned $47 million. Mm-hmm. That is not coming from the county. There no. is a state agency called the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative that is through, I think, the Virginia Department of Housing. I think that's, anyway, be that as it may, but this is actually a grant. Part part of it is a grant through um Right. What would happen is the contractors, the companies, would contribute certain amounts of money. The county has to contribute a certain amount of money. And I'll come back to what, how we came up with $4.5 million. And then some of it comes 
um, through the state. So it's a combination of different funding sources. And part of it, part of the reason we participate in VADI, or these applications for VADI grants, is because it's just like anything else. If a company is going to provide a product or a service, they're always looking, what's the way they can maximize their return on investment? And governance isn't a business. Governance is providing quality of life to everyone. So the way we do that is we use some county money that goes along with state money and the money from the companies to say, we're going to help subsidize you so that you will bring more service to more people, not just the people on 29, not just the people on 20, not just those on, you know, whatever other road you want to pick, but we're going to try and bring this service to as many people in the county as we can. And this is very comparable to affordable housing, for example. Mm -hmm. if, if we ask for affordable housing where we're asking a developer to charge below market rates for a rental unit, then we actually, we, the government, the county, we provide some financial assistance to them because otherwise they don't have an incentive in order to be able to provide that quality of life, which we think is important for mm -hmm. our community. And so it's the same thing here. So initially we thought that $3 million would be sufficient for this particular body application. But over the last number of weeks and months, it became evident that we really needed to increase the county contribution. So just a couple of weeks ago, the Board of Supervisors increased from $3 million to a total of $4.5 million um, in order to support this body grant. What we've been told now in just the last few days is that we may only, close quote, you know, only need 4368000 but we have put aside $4.5 million, which would go along with the $15.4 million from the state and $27.7 million from the companies. And you put all that together and you get up to $47.5 million. But this would bring um, a passing, bring to the property over 6,000 additional properties in Albemarle County. I mean, it's just incredible. So I, I actually have a couple of friends who have been able to hook up to CenturyLink broadband. Mm -hmm. um, and they did have to pay the that fee. Mm -hmm. They paid $700. Yep. So I'm wondering if they should have only paid 100 Well, the way, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to answer it two different ways. I think they should have only had to pay that, but the way it is currently set up, they should have had to pay the full amount. <laughs> I know that sounds confusing. Um, they also applied for this back in something like February, and mm -hmm. CenturyLink just got the, their house hooked up in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it, I, I want to talk about a couple of things recently in the Scottsville area, Southern Albemarle in particular. As everyone knows, just a couple of weeks ago, we had this massive microburst storm come through, um, which has caused just tremendous damage. There were a, f a multitude of things that happened which interrupted CenturyLink's ability to provide service as a result of that storm. Now, I'm going to come back after this and talk about some broader CenturyLink service issues. I want to specifically talk about the storm. So the storm came through, as everyone knows, damaged houses, knocked down thousands of trees. Those trees took down miles of line. Um, and 
As everyone, as most people have been able to see, the supply chain for virtually everything has been disrupted during the pandemic. And the things you need for internet service are included in that supply chain disruption. And they did not, they being CenturyLink, did not have on hand the wire they needed to restring in order to bring the service back. So that was the first delay. The second thing, and Nancy, you can't make this stuff up. The next thing was, as they were using the heavy equipment to remove the trees, some of the heavy equipment cut some of the cables that hadn't been damaged in the storm. But they were able to patch it. But someone decided to drive around the cones that said, don't drive here, and they drove over the patch and they broke the patch. So it has taken them a while to get the service back. So we're talking, I believe, about Mountain Vista Road. Yes. And they are still without internet service and phone service. And CenturyLink has been promising them everything. Yeah. But... Um, well, and in that regard, I, and I want to cover two things. First off, um, their local representative point of contact that the county deals with um, has really been responsive. I mean, he has. And their local employees have been responsive. I don't believe that the local employees have gotten the corporate support that they need. And I would ask, and I know I've, I've gone over the course of the last number of years up to two weeks without electricity, weeks without internet. So I, I have shared the experience that many of our local community members have. But I would ask that you think about this somewhat like if you're flying somewhere and your flight's been delayed, the gate agent has no control over that. Please don't shoot the messenger. These local employees are working hard. Again, I, I've got a lot of issues with corporate CenturyLink, not necessarily the same with their local employees. Then there was another complication within CenturyLink's own service system, which further aggravated things in that you have 10, let's just say 10 people in a row who've lost their internet. All 10 of them call in for a service call. All 10 of them are getting scheduled. And then CenturyLink realizes, oh, these 10 are all connected. We don't need 10 different service calls. We need one. So they canceled the individual service calls, but they didn't communicate that to the individuals to tell them, we're not coming out 10 times. We're going to come out one time. But the people are still waiting, thinking they have an appointment. The repairman doesn't show up. They call, they schedule another one, but it falls into the same black hole of group. I mean, CenturyLink has made a lot of mistakes in this. Not all of them are due to malfeasance or dereliction of their responsibilities. But again, I, I have some major issues with corporate CenturyLink, which is why I dropped them. Yeah, well, um, Thomas Unworth, mm -hmm. Unsworth, our town clerk, reached out to CenturyLink. And basically what you said is what he found out is uh, perhaps a little more in-depth. CenturyLink thought that because a certain number of people had regained that everybody, everybody. did so yeah. they basically canceled all of all the, the service calls and now they're having to go back and figure yes and figure that out and yeah. he also basically said that there are people out there that want to do telemedicine and they can't and that's their way to get it yeah hey, nancy i don't 
I, yeah. I am not here to defend Century no, Lane. I know. I just, yeah. I'm getting I, this out there. Yeah, no. So I had a similar experience a number of years ago in Virginia Beach when a hurricane uprooted a huge oak tree, pulled the cable out of ground from the transformer. And um, we were without power. There were four of us, but every other house in our community had power. And Dominion kept dis, you know, dismissing ours because they said, well, no, everybody else is, you know, everyone's got power. Well, we don't. So sometimes these um, automated telephone system bureaucracies really don't work. Now, let me talk, if you don't mind, um, oh, what, if you don't mind, one of the things I would like to talk about are some of the frustrations that I've had with CenturyLink, and I continue to have. And I, again, want to express my appreciation that CenturyLink has committed to having two representatives on Monday, September 20th, at the Scottsville Town Council meeting. CenturyLink has decided to sell their network in about 20 states. And the network they're selling is the network infrastructure that is old copper wiring. Now, Donna Price's personal opinion is that they have sort of given up on putting in the effort that's necessary, time, materials, personnel, to fully bring their system up to the standard that it should be. They're selling it. So... Um, I'm going to be pressing them on this at that uh, September 20th meeting, but I just have to I've come to the conclusion that they have given up and that corporate is going to do sort of the minimum that they need to do until they have finished the sale. Now, the good news is all the early indications are that the purchaser, Apollo, is committed to putting in the time, the resources, and the personnel to upgrade the system, but it's an expensive project, and they're a business, and they have to make money to spend money, and so I have no idea at the present how much time it's going to take before they're able to reach that capacity. We do believe, however, um, speak, I, that's kind of the royal we, let me change that, I believe <laughs> that Apollo will make things better, but again, it's not going to be today, tomorrow, next week, next month. It will take a period of time for that infrastructure to be put in place. Well, I ha I'm on DSL. So even though, and this is, <laughs> this is part of the whole issue, is right across James River Road in that corner, on um, the northern corner of James River and Route 20, is a sprint fiber cable line that goes right up James River and out to out, wherever. I, I Outside the town limits? Outside the town limits. And I drove trying to figure out where it went. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you don't have whatever they call that they disseminate the the wire from your connection from it's not that little orange pole no. out there no. you may as well be a hundred miles away if the mm -hmm. if the synapse if that gap exists it doesn't matter how long it is and that goes back to the sort of patchwork quilt of where providers are well we have nelson cable now putting in fiber all in the downtown area and people are actually jumping ship with CenturyLink and going there. Mm -hmm. uh, someone told me that he had signed up for 100 megabytes for the same price he was paying for his 25 questionable megabytes. Mm -hmm. 
and he's getting 300. Yeah. And I think that's because there aren't enough people there to kind that's of right. choke They're down not, the flow. Right. And and that's one of the other things is when they advertise, you know, upload download speeds. Up to. Up to. <laughs> um, but it's also important to realize that what, they're, what they are essentially doing with a worthless guarantee, but they're, they're essentially saying, we, we are, quote, guaranteeing, close quote, we can provide this. You may get more than that, but that's the capacity that they are committing to. Unfortunately, some of our providers have failed to live up to their contractual obligation. Now, this is a whole other area where I think regulation would really make a difference, because if they fail to comply, then the state would have the authority to come in and perhaps give everyone credits on their bills or something, as opposed to the way it is right now. I mean, I went two weeks without CenturyLink right before I, I, I canceled their service, and they said they were going to give me a credit, and I think I got partial credit for part of a day for part of two weeks or something like that. It, it clearly, it not only did not on a full pro rata share match the loss of the service I had paid for, but also, like everyone else who either doesn't have internet or loses internet, I have to then take my laptop and go somewhere where I can get on a Wi-Fi in order to get my work, my work done. But, you know, it's more than just that. It's more than just the general thought of a quality of life. In some instances, this could be life and death. If you can't communicate and get your emergency responders out there, so this is a major issue that the county is concerned about. Yes, so I want to close out with what we can do. Mm -hmm. And I believe the answer is not just talking to our local, county, state elected officials, but also our federal mm -hmm. officials in how do we get all of the internet broadband you're absolutely right nancy it's just i'll go back to senator warner at the post office this week you know we supervisors have received i don't know how many emails from our community members about not getting their mail um, about the post office being undermanned so they can't run all their routes we communicated with the Postal Service. We communicated with the state. But it was when the, it's when the federal authorities step in because the federal authorities regulate the Postal Service Board, not Albemarle County. So you really have to reach out across the board. And it's the old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yeah. So if everybody feels that the broadband or Internet providers... Who, or the, actually the ones, the providers who are mm -hmm. laying the cable, yep. if we want them to be regulated, then we need to, in, in, in large numbers, in large numbers, go to D.C. Yeah. There's one other thing I'd like to cover, Nancy, and that is um, there's a, a bit of a conflict that comes up with people between wired and wireless. And um, Albemarle County has what I think is generally a pretty good policy dealing with cell phone towers because we do care about what the area looks like. But I got to just be candid with you, as I have been the rest of the day. If it comes between what something looks like versus providing a necessary service, I'm going to put cell phone towers where they need to go. 
Um, and we need to change our policy if that's what's keeping us from having that. You know, there are so many things, though, that technology is working on and improving on a daily basis. And we're going to see that across a wide spectrum of industries. Solar power. Right mm-hmm. now we're looking at, you know, basically large solar farms around the country. It's a huge one in Cumberland County. But, you know, I don't like them, but we need them right now. I believe technology will reach the stage and much sooner than we anticipate where are the roofs on our, all of our houses, our cars. You know, we will have solar panels, solar, you know, capability in places we don't even think about today. Um, wind, solar, wave, all of these technologies are there. But sometimes we have to go through these stopgap measures, which allow us to get where we are today knowing that in the future they will become obsolete. So for things like solar farms, I'm going to push to ensure that every one of them has a bond in order to ensure that when we no longer need those solar farms, we're going to restore that land back to our beautiful landscape. But if we need to have something like that for the present, then I think that's what we have to look at. Same thing with cell phone towers. Um, tell you a funny story. I was in um, Swaziland, Africa, around the turn of the century, And we had gone spelunking, which actually is rather um, uh, intimidating for me. Um, And we came out of this cave, and our guide pulled out a satellite phone and ordered pizza and beer for us at a local pool. And I'm thinking, I am in Swaziland, Africa, and they're using a satellite phone to order beer and pizza. And in America, we're saying, can you hear me now? Anyway, Nancy, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it is. Thanks for coming by. And Jeff has settled down, so I th- all is well with the world. Yep. Thanks. At least in our corner. It is. Radio Free Scottsville. Radio Free Scottsville. <laughs> so thank you. And again, thanks for listening in, folks. I can still say that Internet access on Mountain Vista Road here in Scottsville is better, but not optimal. Some people have it but it's spotty, and others, I believe, still don't. I hope you get useful information from the conversation I had with Donna.